Within the branch of philosophy that focuses on religion and the existence of God, there are many different approaches regarding the logistics of God. One of the most fundamental philosophical beliefs about God is that he is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnibenevolent. More simply put, this proposition claims that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good. However, the greatest challenge to this widely accepted belief claims that these statements are illogical because of the fact that evil exists in the world. This is known as the problem of evil. This problem suggests that if God is purely good, omnibenevolence, has the power to do anything, omnipotence, and has the ability to know and foresee everything, omniscience, then why and how can evil and suffering exist? A common response to the problem of evil states that in order for the original argument of God to be logical, one of these propositions must be given up. A. God is omniscient. B. God is omnipotent. C. God is omnibenevolent, Or D. Evil exists in the world. Thus, there are several different ways to approach the problem of evil. One may say that God is not omnibenevolent. And the reason that evil exists is because God is not perfectly good and he permits evil. One could also say that God is not omnipotent, and the reason that evil exists is because God simply does not have the power to prevent it. One may respond by saying that God is not omniscient, and the reason that evil exists is because God does not have the capacity to know everything or foresee evil. The alternative response is that evil does not exist. However, this typically does not seem plausible because suffering and evil clearly exist within humanity. Some people may claim that God does not exist, and that explains why evil exists in the world. The problem of evil provides logical reasoning to contradict the existence of God. However, some also claim that the problem of evil is not even a concern, that God can logically still be omniscient, omnipotent, and omnibenevolent in the face of evil. There are a variety of theories and lines of reasoning surrounding the discussion of God and evil. In section 1, I will provide an exposition for John Perry's argument in Dialogue on Good, Evil, and the Existence of God. In section 2, I will provide my own original argument. In section 3, I will entertain an objection and offer a reply. In this paper, I will argue that the problem of evil is not exactly a problem. In Dialogue on Good, Evil, and the Existence of God, Perry effectively proves that the problem of evil is invalid because God exists and evil is necessary. His work centers around a conversation between Gretchen Weirup, Sam Miller, and Dave Cohen, in which they discuss the philosophical ideas and approaches behind religion, evil, and the existence of God. Miller, a believer in the Christian God, attempts to explain how an all-perfect God is consistent with the existence of evil. Wyrub attempts to poke holes in his argument and question the existence of God altogether. She claims that the existence of an all-perfect God and the existence of evil are two contradictory ideas and therefore God does not exist, as evil does exist. Miller argues this rejection by explaining that evil is necessary in order for the concept of good to exist. When explaining the logical reasoning behind these principles, Miller states, An object or event can contain parts that, 
considered by themselves, lack whatever kind of goodness we might be talking about. And yet the presence of these parts can contribute to the overall goodness of the whole subject. This means that all of the suffering and evil that occurs in the world fits into a bigger picture, that without it, the goodness and perfection of God would not be possible. Wyrub insists that if his Christian God exists, then there would be no explanation for suffering, such as the miserable flu she has. Miller asserts that there is no logical inconsistency in the idea that a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good allows for these evils to occur because they are necessary for some greater good. Further, he discusses how the existence of God gives meaning and purpose to the suffering and losses that occur in our lives. Through this dialogue, Perry demonstrates that the idea of the world being created by an all-perfect being is consistent regardless of the fact that there is suffering in it. However, throughout the conversation, Wyrb continues to bring, bring up several complicated scenarios that contradict Miller's claims. For example, she questions his proposition that evil is necessary because it fits into a greater picture, claiming that this explanation is too vague and merely just a possibility. Instead, she insists that he must actually explain what this bigger picture is in order to maintain his logical argument. Miller responds and says that he can sufficiently construct a story that explains the suffering and evil as parts in a perfect world. In order to provide Wyrub with a logical explanation for the bigger picture that she questions, Miller defends the reasoning behind why God permits evil. Theodicies are explanations for why an all-good God would permit the manifestation of evil in the world. They can be viewed as a vindication or defense for God. The first proposition that Miller makes regarding his theodicy is that a world with freedom in it is better than one without freedom. Cohen clarifies that this freedom refers to more basic and metaphysical principles rather than constitutional principles such as freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Miller states, that's right, freedom of choice. More specifically, this means that a world with freedom of choice in it is better than one without freedom of choice. A world with humans who have the ability to make conscious choices is better than a world without humans. This means that because God is all perfect and all good, he intentionally allowed humans to exist because he believes that freedom of choice is good. However, as Miller further mentions, this would mean that God takes a risk and gives up some control by allowing humans to have free will and make their own choices. Of course, humans do not always make the normatively good or right choices, which is why imperfection and evil exist in the world. Thus, humans are the cause of suffering and evil, as humans have the ability to make moral decisions. Miller emphasizes that it is not God's role to make suffering or evil occur. His role is to give humans freedom of choice. He must value freedom so much that all the bad results that come from the decisions humans freely make still leave it a better world, in his eyes, than one without free humans. This concept effectively explains why a good God would permit evil in the world. He does not necessarily permit evil to exist, but he does permit humans to exist, and humans are what manifest evil. 
Humans have the freedom to make their own decisions, and therefore humans are responsible for the consequences of these decisions, not God. Moreover, Perry also sufficiently upholds the idea that God can still be omniscient, omnipotent, and omnibelevolent, despite the existence of freedom of choice, and thus the existence of evil. Wyrb questions the idea that God is omniscient or all-knowing. She wonders how humans can be free if God knows what each of us will do next, and if he doesn't know everything that we will do, then how can he be omniscient? God doesn't escape responsibility for the consequences of what I do, since they are part of the foreseeable consequences of what he did. Perry. Using the principle of cause and effect, Wyrb claims that God would in fact be accountable for the bad or unnecessary decisions that human make, that humans make, as he supposedly created humans. Miller re- reiterates that the question at hand is not whether or not God is responsible for the bad and unnecessary parts of the world, but rather whether or not these bad things are necessary for a good and perfect world. In response to Wyrb's argument that God cannot make humans who are truly free if he is omniscient, since he will know what they are going to choose, Cohen and Miller clarify that God can still be knowledgeable of the choices that we will make, even though we make those choices freely. Thus, he sufficiently upholds the proposition that God is omniscient in light of the problem of evil and the rejections made towards God's existence. Further, Cohen brings up the stone paradox, which claims that God cannot be omnipotent if he creates a rock that cannot lift. This would contradict the trait of all-powerfulness. In response to this contradiction, he emphasizes that God has the ability to do anything, but he decides what to do and what not to do. In other words, he has the power to do anything, but he also has the power to decide what things he can do, and that explains why he does not do certain things. Thus, he sufficiently upholds the proposition that God is omnipotent. In order to further explain how God is omnibelevolent, even though evil exists in the world, Miller brings up his belief of the existence of an afterlife. He recognizes that it is contradictory to assume that God is fair and just if there are so many injustices and evils in the world. He answers this by saying it's possible that the physical world is not the only thing created by God. Thus, it is consistent with God's omnibelevolence if there is some afterlife in which the sufferings are compensated for and sins are punished. Furthermore, this explanation of why it is consistent for God to be all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good, in conjunction with the idea that evil exists as a necessary part of a good world, effectively maintains the consistency between the propositions a. God is omniscient, b. God is omnipotent, c. God is omnibelevolent, and d. Evil exists in the world. I argue that the problem of evil is not consistent enough to disprove the claim that God can be omniscient, omnipotent, omnibelevolent despite the existence of evil. To begin with, if we focus on the principles of free will and the idea that evil may be necessary for goodness, it is evident that the existence of evil is not actually a contradiction of the existence of a god that is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnibelevolent. Humans have the ability to rationalize and make conscious decisions about their actions. Thus, humans are the reason that evil exists, as we have the choice to do evil things. 
This responsibility of evil can be placed on the actions of humans rather than the actions of God. Therefore, God can still be all-knowing and foresee the evil things that will occur, but perhaps it is not his role to interfere. He can still be all-powerful and have the ability to prevent evil things from occurring, but perhaps it is not his role to do so. He can still be all-good and have pure intentions to strive for goodness and eliminate evil, but perhaps it is the role of humans to make these choices. Further, it is certainly consistent that the concept of evil is necessary for the concept of good to exist. Similarly, light cannot exist without darkness. This further explains the goodness of God in spite of evil. One may object in the following manner. Suppose it is true that an afterlife exists in order to fairly compensate for the suffering and evil in the world, upholding the idea that God is omnibenevolent. This would mean that those who were innocent, yet still suffered, will no longer suffer in the afterlife. Thus, God is capable of creating a dimension in which there is no evil. If God is capable of creating a world like this, and he did not create our world to be like this, then he must be responsible for the pain and suffering that exists in our world. In response to this objection, I claim the following. Back to the principles of freedom of choice and the necessity of evil, if evil is absolutely necessary for the existence of good, then it would be invalid to assume that a world without evil and suffering can even conceptually exist. One does not wonder, why doesn't God create a world without darkness and only light? A world without darkness is a world without light. Similarly, a world without evil is a world without good. It is not possible for these fundamental concepts to exist without the absence of these concepts. Further, the fact that humans possess freedom of choice explains why evil things occur in the first place. In conclusion, the problem is not a question of the capabilities or characteristics of God, but rather the courses of action taken by humans.